Uh, hello, this is Kieran Carroll, uh, the playwright from Edith Vale, and you're on Radio Carum, a great station that gives many, many voices a chance across the city of Kingston. Go Radio Carum. Welcome to the Strong, Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, the ups and downs and how to navigate life with kids on your own while keeping sane. Covering subjects such as domestic violence through to fussy eaters and solo dating. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest currently works as a counsellor and a yoga teacher with a particular interest in addiction. She's spent many years working in drug and alcohol rehabilitation settings where she learned from her clients, rather than from formal education, the true origins of addiction, which is trauma and emotional pain management, which we've covered on this podcast several times before. So recently, she completed an honours in psychology at Victoria University, where her thesis subject was on masculinity and its relationship to suicide. This satisfied a long-standing curiosity she had about men's mental health and suicide. She is soon to become a first-time mum and discover the fascinating world of natural birth practices which I'm sure is fascinating, but she may not want to be discovering it. Hi, Laura. Thanks for joining us here today. How are you? I'm good, Claire. Thank you for having me. It's an honour to be here. No, thanks for coming on board. Look, I've just gone through your intro and um, you were studying masculinity and suicide, Mm -hmm. which are... I can understand why you studied both of them. Mm-hmm. I, I have an interest in both of them as well, having a son mm. um, and having lost several of my friends to suicide, which completely blows my mind how I could have, you mm. know, have friends who were in such a dark hole that, um, you know, couldn't reach out, that could, that found that that was the only way and means of actually mm. getting some relief from their life. So, look, tell us a bit about yourself and how you got to do this study? Mm -hmm. Um, Similar to you, Claire, actually. I grew up um, with, well, I experienced a lot of friends who did commit suicide, male friends. Um, And I also grew up in an area that that had a lot of traditional uh, roles, you know, like the traditional gender roles were very fixed in the area that I grew up in. Um, And so, you know, men or boys were brought up to be tough and invulnerable and boys don't cry. And I witnessed um, probably from teenage years onwards my, yeah, my male friends kind of egging each other on to, you know, get intoxicated, binge drink, um, use violence, risk take, you know, in in actually really dangerous ways as a way to kind of prove manhood. And um, from that, as we, you know, got older, yeah, I lost friends and people in the community to being king hit, to suicide, to um, people having accidents when they were intoxicated. Um, Yeah, and I... I kind of grew up with that as the norm, mm, um, I know. which was really 
at, at the time, I, I didn't necessarily see the alarm bells because it was the norm. Um, but it wasn't until I started working as a counsellor in drug and alcohol in the drug and alcohol sector. And I started working with adult men and as a counsellor, and we started to delve into their histories. And um, they were telling me the same stories that I saw my friends experience. Um, but they were also saying things like, you know, they had really, they've never known emotional support. Um, they've never known, they've never been taught to express emotions. They've never even been taught how to identify emotions. So a lot of them didn't even know how they felt. Um, oh, okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. But then I suppose if you've not been shown or told, well, that's anger or that's anxiety or that's being depressed or, or you know, and actually put a label on it, then how would you know? That's exactly right. And that's what research is showing that men and women or boys and girls experience the same emotions they're just conditioned to respond to them differently. And emotions for, for boys, in a, we're talking about in a traditional, you know, yeah. masculine sense, um, any emotion that's considered feminine, like sadness or even empathy, um, are not they're not encouraged or they're not, they're, like, little boys don't get that reflected back to them. It's like boys don't cry, mm. right? So... Well, exactly. That was just, it was funny because that was just about what I was going to say. Uh, and God love my dad. However, we have chastised him, both me and my mother. <laughs> but with my son, he says, oh, don't scream like a girl. Ah, so it's well, that exact late. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And and like, you know, I mean, crikey, he's like 73. So, uh, you mm -hmm. know, it's going to be hard to change him. But he was brought up, you know, in the 50s and 60s okay. where those sort of things were said because they were the cultural you know, norms. Yeah. That is a really good example. Thank you for saying that because that that is a perfect example of traditional masculine norms that are starting to change, however, are still very thick in our psyches mm. and in our language. And sometimes we don't even realize that we say these things or that we think these things. Um, yeah. as parents or, you know, or just, you know, within our communities, it's the way that we view men. Um, so that's a really good example and it's definitely changing. Um, but my research showed that it also isn't, you know. Um, wow, okay. It isn't in the sense of men, there are still more men than women that commit suicide globally. Um, albeit a few countries, you know, a few countries, it's it's women, but it is mostly men. And it's really interesting to watch when these peaks of suicide happen. Um, it's usually around an economic crisis. So um, think like the Great Depression or Wall Street crash, there's peaks of suicide. And um, it makes sense because of the traditional breadwinner role for men. And they how can you be the breadwinner at a time when, you know, the economy yeah. is struggling, and um, and and then the stress that they're feeling because of it, because of that, they don't have the opportunity to talk about it because men don't talk about emotions, or they've been trained not to. 
No, exactly, exactly. Okay, so so let's take a step back. So you you were brought up within this really, and I suppose in a way I was as well. Um, I'm mm-hmm. probably twenty years earlier than you though. But like I was brought uh, brought up in this very much like you know, um, and I know it's an Aussie saying, and we don't have it in the UK, but it's very much have a cup of concrete and harden up sort of thing, and all of this <laughs> stuff, and you know like big uh, boys don't cry and various and be you know come on mummy's little soldier and all of these sort of things yes um so you were brought up in that so how did you you then went into drug and alcohol rehabilitation that's right that's right so how did so what made the was there a turning point that you went oh I'm gonna go and work in drug and alcohol because you know and rehabilitate people (laughs) like how did you because you could like you could have done anything you could have um I don't know, climbed a mountain or whatever. Do you know what I mean? How did you how did you morph into morph is maybe not the right mm. word. But like how did you move into hey, that's a weird, good word. Move into drug and yeah, alcohol. Yeah, good question. It I always had an interest because I had my own issues. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So growing up in that interestingly, you know, it's growing up in those traditional roles. Also, it was very normal for girls and women to be kind of like the boys you know it was like that dominant masculine thing where it's like if you drink like a boy or you drink like a man then you know kudos to you you're a really cool chick so um I grew up in that culture and I was a binge drinker and I never saw that as addiction um, until I started working in AOD only through being placed there as my placement you know my post uni placement okay was Um, I always had an interest though. I always did have an interest. And um, by this stage, by the stage of, you know, me getting my qualification and working as a counsellor, I had stopped drinking. Um, And that was because it was just taking such a toll on my mental health and on my physical health. And, um, but yeah, it really, it, I I got my placement there, but then it also helped me to realise, educate myself about my own past, which was holy cow, binge drinking is addiction um, because I didn't have an off switch and um, I couldn't say no. Like I couldn't go out without drinking. It was it was an impossible idea to go out and be sober. Um, so learning that, wow, that is addiction and learning how pervasive it is, you know, just seeing it everywhere and how normalised it is in our culture Um really inspired me to continue working in that field and also recognizing that people that really struggle with substance substance misuse have very you know have experienced a lot of hardship and really Mm. need the most support and so yeah it was very inspiring to work with these people actually and learn about their experiences and learn that it that substance misuse isn't necessarily a choice even though we often view it as that um it's often self-medication and a way to survive it's pain management at the end of the day i think you know we we've talked about we've talked about this previously and in the fact that you know there's emotional pain there's traumatized you're talking about a traumatized individual for Mm -hmm. whatever reason and it can be many many reasons Mm -hmm. um and they can be so varied because it can be somebody who had what from the outside looking in is a perfect childhood Mm -hmm. but 
you know, there were traumas or misunderstandings or um, things that happened within their life that they interpreted a certain way and Mm -hmm. they weren't, um, it wasn't communicated or managed with them correctly mm-hmm. potentially that then led to pain emotional pain that they then instead of medicating like maybe you know they're medicating it with alcohol or drugs like we would medicate a headache with paracetamol basically that's exactly right that, that's exactly yeah. right and it's um i think you really like leading back to my research is exactly what you said there where it's like it's not necessarily about the trauma that happened i mean sometimes it is depending on what the Yes, but um, often, or like there's new research with PTSD that they're discovering that it's not so much about the incident; it's about how much support and what kind of support did did that person receive after the incident, and that's probably Mm. what's going to determine whether someone has PTSD. And that's what I kept hearing through these people's experiences. They had some of them had horrific traumas, but also they had absolutely no support. And you know that was for men and women, but there were always more men than women in these rehabs that I worked in. And the evidence shows in in research that, yeah, men have more substance misuse problems. There's more men than women. Um, And that leads back to the research, and that's because they don't know how to identify and talk about emotions. Again, we're just, I feel like I'm generalising. I'm not saying all men, but it's when they're, adopted the traditional masculine stereotypes um they don't know how to identify articulate and seek support for what they're experiencing so yeah it ends up being self-medication um wow and uh, so okay and so through your work with the drug and alcohol uh, rehabilitation programs that you've been on did you then go well i'm going to do a psychology degree Mm -hmm. and 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 then move into and that's how you've come into studying masculinity and its connection with suicide as such Mm -hmm. yeah pretty much it was really that I felt like I needed a little bit more of an education um around I really don't like this term but you know the 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 professional term of being abnormal psychology I felt like as a counsellor it's terrible I hate that term Uh, Let's just say I needed a bit more of a broader understanding of all of the different mental health issues that I was coming into contact with through the drug and alcohol work because underneath the addiction was usually comorbidities of other mental health presentations that hadn't been addressed for a long time. Again, people were self-medicating to manage mental health distress. So I just felt like I needed a bit more of an education on that. So yeah, I undertook the um, the psychology undergraduate and honours and, um, and the research was a surprise. I didn't think I'd love that aspect of it. I really, it was a surprise. I thought I'd just got to get this done, you know, because I just want to work with people. Um, but it turned out that I loved it. And I'm like with this. Yeah. It, and this is also where change can happen like I was used to working on the grassroots level and I could see that yeah research can really make a big impact because this affects policy and funding and all of those Mm. um those aspects of our of our 
like our services, our health services. Um, so yeah, I and I, I there was just some options for what kind of you know for the, the the thesis options that I could choose from, and there was masculinity, and I was like, oh my god, that was just it. You know, I saw it. I'm like, I want to be a part of that team. It's always been a curiosity of mine because of what I've just told you, my upbringing, what I witnessed witnessed in the in the drug and alcohol rehabilitation centers um so yeah I landed it luckily and got to yeah to dive deep into mm. like a and it's, it's I find it I find the subject completely like at the end of the day I find the subject of masculinity and all that it defines interesting because at the end of the day I know our bits are different, okay, if we're going to get down to the crux of things. <laughs> but we are all <laughs> – all the crux of things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're all human beings, okay. So we all have similar, we would hope, unless we are a sociopath or anything like that, we would all have similar <laughs> emotions, feelings, um, you know, all of those sort of things. Um, we deal with them in different ways, admittedly, um, and that can be through education, mm. that can be through genetics, it can be through various different things. And I know they're exploring all of these at the moment because I know um, they're now starting to say that trauma can actually go down through your genes now. Absolutely, and so, yep. So the trauma, so my grandfather, God rest his soul, my grandfather, I never met him. He died the year I was born, so I don't know what that means. But my grandfather, um, my grandfather was a sniper in the Second World War, wow. and he saw amazing, amazing things, no doubt. Absolutely. But nobody knows what he saw because he never told anyone mm -hmm. because we're in that masculinity cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and the only thing that we ever really knew about what went on, and I'm sure there's other stories that would come out through the family, is that we. He remem we remember him telling, well, not me personally, but my father mm. remembers him telling a story about where he was walking down a road and his mates on either side got shot because oh. he was in between the gap in the machine gun. Wow. So the machine gun just mm. mowed them down, but he lived because he was in the gap where the bullets go through for the machine gun and his mates died either side of him. And, and although wow. I'm even like – Profound. It wouldn't have been a pleasant death, and we don't know. How, I don't know how they were shot or anything like that. So you know, I mean, maybe they were killed outright. Let's hope. Mm -hmm. If they weren't, can you imagine the trauma oh. that he would have gone through through this? And he was, I say, he was a sniper, and I apologise. He wasn't a sniper. He was a scout. So okay. he would go into hostile areas oh. to scout out and see where the Germans were and all of this stuff. So you can imagine it was stressful. Jeez, so all of that yeah. stress is in his genes. He came back from war. And then he had my dad because that was the first child that they had when he came back. And so that trauma mm. potentially has gone into my father, come into me, potentially will go down to my son, my brother's sons, mm. you know, all of this sort of stuff. So it fascinates me that so we need to stop this cycle of trauma. Hopefully we have. Mm -hmm. But it just mm -hmm. fascinates me with all of that as well. And I know um, I know we can change our DNA and our genes and things like that as such because we have that fantastic, and I can't think of his name now. Is that No. Is it Brian oh. Lipton? 
Oh, Lipton, yeah, yeah. Lipton. Where he yeah, says, you know, yeah. we can mentally, we can adapt our yeah. bodies. Absolutely. what our brain does and we only use 20% of it or whatever it is. But, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's just, it fascinates me how that all is there. Absolutely. And how that leads to all of that trauma and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we just went down a rabbit hole there, didn't we? It's, okay. Yes, we did. And that, that could be a whole nother podcast. Oh, it could right be. There. It could be. I like, yeah. But that's why masculinity actually, um, it, that's why it sort of fascinates me to a certain extent because we're all human, but men, well, men fascinate me to one because I don't understand them. But like, <laughs> it, it, you know, we've all been brought up differently as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. For so, sure. I, okay. So, what was involved in your study then? How did you deal? How did you do your study? Mm-hmm. So, it was the classic questionnaire style psychology study, um, but we recruited um, our participants via an online like platform that basically gives you quality data. So these are people that get paid to do questionnaires um, and we wanted to do it only within Australia. We were really interested in looking at just the Australian population. So we ended up recruiting 480 Australian adults from all over Australia um, and they varied in their kind of, in their, you know, professions, religious identities, sexual orientations because we wanted a real like an honest representation of the Italian population. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get all men. I wanted to just focus on men, but I had to get a big sample size. So I included everybody else, anyone who was willing. Um, we did have more men. We had 276 men, 200 women, and four that identified as non-binary. Um, and they essentially filled out. I had to research the best questionnaires that really captured traditional masculine norms, um, uh, suicidal ideation, because I was looking specifically at ideation, not suicide, because how do you measure suicide? You know, like, you know, unless you're looking at, you know, deaths, the death, birth and registry thing. But um, Yeah, I know, yeah. I had to look at ideation, um, which is, I suppose, the first step to suicide so we had a questionnaire on that and we also had a questionnaire for psychological distress just to measure where people were at how distressed they were because there is a relationship kind of obviously between psychological distress and suicidal ideation um yeah so people completed those surveys and then it was data analysis and and all the number crunching and so did you find a lot of women also filled in the suicide stuff or mm-hmm. was it like what percentage so like if we were looking at men versus women mm-hmm. which I'm already put a bloody um wall between us between the genders already there but uh, you know like men white like what percentage of men had this suicide ideation um what percentage of women did or am mm. I putting you on the spot there? No, not at all. I know it like the back oh, okay. of my hand, you know, a year yeah. of oh, just okay. looking That's at right this then. every day. It's okay. <laughs> if I didn't know, that would be a concern. Um, it was pretty, interestingly, it was pretty much equal, which was a surprise oh, okay. because there is the kind of the main, there's this, this idea of the gender paradox where more men than women commit suicide However, there are more women than men that experience suicidal ideation. 
Oh, okay. So that's a so it was interesting from our you know from our sample it was pretty much equal, like almost dead on equal. I mean, it's wow. never dead on, but you know, as close as yeah. you can get to being equal. That men and women from my sample were both equally experiencing suicidal ideation. Um, so basically, doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman, your 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 lives can be shit at times. Oh, right? absolutely. Do you know what? I, yeah, like it doesn't. There's you know no differentiation there. The differentiator is you know the I suppose the amount of people who go through with suicide and are successful if that's a bad mm. word to really put around it, but, you know, or... Um, yeah, completed, yeah, completed suicide. Yeah. So, so I don't want to dig myself into any hole because this is a very, like, I've lost people to suicide, mm. so I have a very relaxed, um, I do not understand it, and I desperately, desperately mm. would love to because I have a son, mm. Um, and I would never want to think about him being in that situation, mm. which is one of the reasons that I'm like, come on <laughs> down, Laura, uh, you know, Laura, like I need to, I'd love to understand about it because I want to stop um, mm -hmm. it happening for anyone, you know. And so, yeah, anyway, we'll stop talking and get into your, <laughs> get into your study. So what did you learn then? So quite even between the sexes of ideology uh, ideology what am I talking about ideation uh -huh. um so what was the different you know what else did you learn then between mm -hmm. so different to the male side of things yes yes so um so it came down to the difference was mostly in the in the masculine nor the traditional masculine norm um effects so essentially what we found was relevant for men is that you know, there was 10 masculine norms that we looked at um, and they were, you know, emotional control, self-reliance, violence, risk-taking, um, this idea of playboy, like, you know, like infidelity, I suppose, um, and, and so on and so on. But the relevant one for men was self-reliance, excessive self-reliance. So when men adopt when these particular men from my sample adopt that norm that they must be entirely self-reliant. It's, you know, it's not reaching out for support, um, feeling like they need to do it on their own. They, they don't want to be a burden on others, these kind of associates. So isolating themselves as such. Essentially, yes. That's what Self-perpetuated isolation, really. Exactly, exactly, because of this belief that they must they must figure it out themselves, that they don't need anyone, they don't need support. Um, so that was a risk factor for suicidal ideation when men were experiencing psychological distress. So if there was already psychological psychological distress and they had excessive self-reliance, it equated suicidal ideation. Um, so that was, yeah. So a view that... So they were already initially traumatized, is basically what you're saying, or had emotional trauma within their life. They were at the time of our of doing the our survey. They were under psychological distress, and that could be. I mean, oh, okay. we've got to think about we're in a pandemic, and I was doing the study yeah, in a pandemic, know, so you know yeah. that definitely contributes to psychological distress. And psychological distress is essentially just concurrent 
symptoms, like, you know, concurrent symptoms of depression and anxiety. That's kind of just to say it simply, that's what psychological distress is. So somebody experiencing those symptoms concurrently. Um, but feeling as though they need to deal with it themselves. This is like, this is crazy. I'm a big boy. Let's suck it up. I have to get myself yep. through. Yes, yeah, suck it up. I have to get myself through this. I've got people depending on me. I need to sort this out. I've got to come up with a solution. I, you know, it, this is all about me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have to sort this. Mm-hmm. Nobody else out there can deal with this issue for me, is basically what you're exactly. saying. Exactly. And also the shame around that. Like if they, wow. so if they have adopted this idea, that comes from our culture, you know, of, you know, men need to be tough and figure it out themselves and they don't they don't go to psychologists and sit there and talk about their feelings. Mm. Um, there's some shame around if they really did want to seek that help or it's shame even for having those feelings or for, for wow. being in a situation where they're feeling overwhelmed. It comes with shame. Because it because that shame of them not being able to sort it out, it's like a weakness. It's a as weakness, such. exactly. So it's not masculine, wow. right? It's like, yeah, there must be something wrong with me. I should be able to handle this. I should be able to handle life, um, you know, and just acting tough, you know, and it might necessarily yeah. be tough as in like, you know, like in the way that we think about it in that kind of macho way, but just, you know, just hardening up and pushing it down. Um, yeah. So, and I, you know, and I've, I've got, I've got to say, I mean, I lost um, a very good friend of mine um, seven odd years ago to suicide, and um, I think we've spoken about mm. it previously. And he was the go-to that mm-hmm. we all went to, and he seemed to have it all together. Mm. Which, you know, I mean, you know, he, yeah. You know, you, we would have never thought it was a massive surprise. You, know, you would have never have thought that he was he'd got himself to a place where he couldn't get himself mm-hmm. out of. And it's as as friend, I know I've spoken to a lot of his other friends. Um, mm-hmm. As friends, we just go, why? Like, why didn't he just? But I suppose you're in that place where you go, I have to deal with this myself, and mm-hmm. which is not true. It's mm-hmm. you know, it. You know, I mean, I must admit. My son's school is teaching that failure is failure is our friend because we learn from failure. Wow, I love that. <laughs> so that's, I love that. Yeah, well, look, that's yeah. So that's really good. So um, yeah, wow. So okay. So how do we help these mm-hmm. people that think they can do it on their own? And you know, how do we even know? Because mm-hmm. I suppose there's no external signs, is there? Mm-hmm. That's another awesome question. Um, there can be signs. I mean, again, we're, we're kind of talking about the traditional masculine stereotype here, but, um, yes, yeah, so the research I was reading was that um, for these particular men or, I, you know, people really because we sort yeah. of adopt these norms. Um, oh, well, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so they, they don't, they at times don't uh, experience the typical symptoms of depression and anxiety. So they might present at a GP or something just feeling like, oh, I've been feeling, I've been really angry, like extra angry and or like, or I've got like some somatic, like psychosomatic symptoms, like some back pain or my drinking has increased. Um, Now this is, again, where it's, this highlights the kind of systematic stuff that needs to change because often, um, you know, Let's let's just say men for now. 
um, their symptoms get unrecognised as actually potential, you know, pre-markers of suicide and suicidal ideation because they're not saying the typical things like I feel really low, you know, I feel really depressed because of the shame and also they can't access or identify those feelings themselves. So they, so the symptoms could be, yeah, excess, like excessive alcohol use, um, increased alcohol use, um, anger and frustration and um, physiological like manifestation. So I think part of the change is a systemic one, which is big and that will take time um, but I think starting at the grassroots level in parenting um, in like supporting our male friends and encouraging yeah. and I think it really does start with you know empowering men and reframing vulnerability as something that is courageous and is something that is a strength not a weakness um, mm. and I know that football clubs and stuff like that are really taking this on because Oh, that's awesome. issues in football club. Like football's huge. There's been people that have lots of people, you know, men even in the AFL that have suicided or had addiction issues and it's all come back down to mental health awareness. So yeah. I think, you know, community is really important um, and support and encouragement. Yeah. And, look, and I think we put these um, these football stars soccer stars, you know, basketball stars, whatever, up on pedestals and go, wow, they're amazing. But we mm-hmm. forget they are human beings at the end of the day with the same thoughts, feelings. They have to all go to the toilet the same as we do. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, but they are, they're human beings. And, you know, I'm I'm thankful that we've got celebrities like I'm just trying to think now, but and I'm I can only think of UK ones, so sorry. But I mean, I'm sure I'm sure yeah, you can okay. think of Aussie one. But like you know, we've got Robbie Williams who came out and said he had an addiction. Elton yes. John was another one who was an addict basically, but through trauma mm-hmm. that he was going through. Um, you know, I mean, we've got very well George Best, one of the best soccer players in the UK who was an alcoholic basically um you know we had there's several I'm just trying to think of them now but you know examples yeah yeah but there's several well-known well-loved I mean like the world loved them and loves Mm -hmm. them um who basically we're traumatized and we're addicted desperately Mm -hmm. desperately addicted Mm um and dealing with mental health justin bieber is another one in present day ish um, oh really i didn't know about bieber oh, oh, Be- oh my god yeah bieber. well bieber's got a bieber bieber's just was i suppose i don't know if he had any addictions but like he was depressed i mean mm. massively britney i mean geez she shaved her yeah, hair britney. off that was if that wasn't a cry yeah. for help and what did we do the media just slated her as a nutter and uh, you know oh, no. all of these things Terrible. pamela anderson if you could like go down that avenue and various different other people i mean you know the great <laughs> ozzy osbourne you know and and like his family and oh, yeah. you know i'm surprised the kardashians haven't gone through any of this but you know um, as far as we know, as their as PR know. is very good. Yeah. But, you know, like, yeah, so all of those sort of things, yeah, 
I'm I'm just pleased that it's getting out there and and out in the media and we're actually highlighting that you know you don't have to be doing this on your own. I agree with mm-hmm. you. I think it needs to start at school level, and we mm-hmm. do need to encourage our kids to say it's okay to mm-hmm. be upset and you know to be sad, be happy, be you know, and do all of those sort of things. Yeah. So okay. So was there anything else that came out of the study, or, or or is there anywhere else that you're going with the study now? Are you? Is, what's the next steps? Mm, oh yeah. Well, I I definitely want to continue down the rabbit hole. Um, it's for me, it's going to be looking at actually at women, you know, as well, because I really, what came out of it was that women um, are adopting traditional masculine norms more. I don't know if we'd say more, but we just noticed that. I don't know if it's more, but I think it makes sense considering, um, you know, we're in the neo-feminist era where women Mm -hmm. can do it all and have it all. And I think that's fantastic, but I also think it has its dark side, which is, um, you know, women have can fall into that traditional masculine norm, um, those those mm, those roles of achieving and succeeding, and um, yeah, and if you and, can't beat him, join him, sort of thing. You've got to, you know, if absolutely. you want to be successful in a corporate environment, then you've got to be up there and you've got to do. 120 times better than your colleague, your male colleagues, because if you don't, then, you know, you're not successful. And we exactly sore subject with me. But then we also then oh, it's a sore are successful. Yeah. yeah it, well, we're successful, but we get paid less and all the other. And, you know, um, and if you're a single mum, that's even worse because you get classed mm-hmm. as a second class citizen because your kids come first at various different things. And, you know, there's. Mm-hmm options where you know as a single mum you could work from home which would be great and still be able to do your job but you still have to come in the office and do all the other stuff and there's no I think we need to completely rework our working environment I think COVID has taken steps towards that I don't believe that going back to the office is the right move five days a week for everyone and I don't even believe the hybrid is but hey, ho. <laughs> that's a whole different podcast, I'm sure. Uh-huh, yeah, that's another great one. That's yes, another great but one. It, a bit yeah. like, no, I and I agree with you. It'd be interesting to find out why women feel they need to be masculine. I think I've just highlighted a few mm. points, but yeah. Okay, that's awesome. And I think that is, that's kind of where I want to go is looking more, um, culturally I mean I mean we kind of have ideas you know, around capitalism it's all the things we know the way our society is structured mm. the way it continues to operate yes things have changed a little bit with COVID but we've still got a long way yeah. to go it's it's all built it's been built into us all women men and non-binary people that um more is more you know being busier is better um and all of these you know Maybe we need to re, you know, redefine what masculine norms are because they're not just affecting men, and that's what my research showed that women are being negatively affected as well um, when they adopt these traditional masculine norms that come from cultural messages that women can now adopt yeah. because we're now we're now in the in the game we're in the working game 
you know, where we've got many, many roles. We're not just, you know, we don't just have one role anymore that we did for centuries yeah. before now. It's interesting um, to see, or it would be interesting to see how Insta and all of those sort of things is also influence because in a way the social media although being great to actually see what your mates are doing and all of this stuff and look around people's new houses and all these bits and pieces but it also is <laughs> about saying i'm coping i'm okay absolutely the facade yes yeah. yeah and you know look at my wonderful life when actually it's all falling about behind you know behind the scenes or whatever and mm -hmm. and one of the reasons i started this podcast was to say hey being a single parent is awesome but can also be really shit so mm. it's around like giving s single parents but also parents the tools and bringing people like yourself on who have been studying and looking at all of these sort of things and mm. sort of trying to understand you know how we help our kids mm. be better be the better person better people every single day as such and move sort of move through into you know into life. I like that. You know, as not as fucked up <laughs> as we would you know as we would hope them to be. So you know, as we would hope them not to be. I don't know. I've phrased that wrong. It's been a long day, <laughs> but yeah, you know. Um, there's a book I love which says how to not fuck up your kids completely or whatever it is. I get um, it. I get because it. let's I face it. it, you know, we're we're all trying our best. We're we're you know, um, parenting. There are no booklets <laughs> with it, um, as you will soon find out. As you can become too a, many. Yeah, well, there's too many, <laughs> and there's the right thing to do and the wrong thing, and then thing contradicts another thing mm. and you know I don't know if and I don't I mean my belief and view and I'm very 70s baby <laughs> was why, why are we giving all the kids awards for partaking yeah. in stuff like yeah. I'm not sure what message that is actually sending out and I don't know if it's a correct message but I'm like sitting there going why are we doing this and I don't mm. I don't know yeah, and being a Gen X. It's such an experimentation. It's an experimentation, isn't it? Trying to kind of undo the things that didn't work in the past and we just have to experiment yeah. culturally. And I think it's an interesting time because that's being done with gender, like even the fact that we're kind of looking at masculinity and thinking, you know, things are wrong here. Um, it's, it's incredibly experimental. And I think, but I like what you said there of, you know, like, you know, doing things you know, like we want to help our kids, you mm. know, kind of I, I suppose manage life better than maybe we did yeah. or especially that our parents, yeah. um, you know, and the general. Yeah, and, and, and at the end of the day, you know, and I always say that because my poor mother, she listens to these podcasts and probably goes cock a hoop with some of the things I say. But, like, you know, at the end of the day, my mum had me when she was 19. My dad was 21, right, and I sit there and go, oh, my God. Yeah. If I'd have had a baby at 19 or 21 even, um, how would I have dealt with it? How would I cope with it? I mean, it's such a young age, mm. probably not back then, but, you know, you're only just learning about life and yourself and things like that yourself. You know, I mean, she didn't have a manual to bring up me and my brother. I don't have one to bring up my son 
And I'm bloody 50. So I sit there and I go, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's hard. They push buttons. They do so much that's great and so much that's not so great. Absolutely. You Hardest know. gig on the yeah, planet. Yeah, and you're now entering really? it. So it's all good. I'm telling you all this. I know. Just, I'm, you know, I'm going to apply it all yeah, soon. It's great. It's great. <laughs> so look, um, can we, is, can, is there any way that we can help you is if anyone's listening to this and wants to reach out to you and basically to tell you about I don't know their suicidal ideal um ideation I keep wanting to say ideology but that's not the right (laughs) word Uh, ideation um or to help in your research or anything like that I mean Mm. how do people get in contact with you oh thanks for asking yeah email's the best way and I'm absolutely open I mean I'm available for counseling for another three months so you know up until you know I'll giving birth in the end of April and then we'll be cancelling and you. then <laughs> probably yes <laughs> at least I know where to go <laughs> but yeah email is the best option and okay. if people have questions about the research it's actually the paper my thesis is being put forward for publication so I'm hoping that's going to be Yay. published soon so I can let people know where to read that if they're interested um, awesome. So, yeah, reach out via email um, about counselling post, or yeah. the research. I'll post the email in the blurb and, and stuff so people can reach out to you okay. um, and go from there. And my last question, I ask it to everyone, <laughs> is what would your superpower be? <laughs> it's difficult to choose, actually. I would love to have multiple, but I think ultimately – The ultimate superpower for me would be true presence, like fully being 100% presence. It sounds super boring, but to me that is my daily struggle. Um, I meditate and, you know, I have glimpses of true presence. And when I get that glimpse, life just becomes a whole lot easier because you're able to really access your inner landscape as well as navigate the external worlds with honesty and yeah and ultimately allows you to you know communicate better and um and therefore have better relationships which are the kind of centerpiece of our lives is healthy yeah. relationships i agree with you if yeah if you're sitting in a cave on your own it's a pretty well, obviously, it's a pretty lonely place to be. But like, you know, it. we're all about humans are all about interaction and communicating. Absolutely. And, and being a tribe as such, because that's how we've survived, sticking together. It's just a shame that the world has got so big, yet so small mm. with the internet. And we just don't stick together. That's right. You and know. that's a, oh God, that's a whole nother episode right there. Oh, it is a but whole I- nother episode. That's great. <laughs> let's explore that one oh my god that's right that's that kind of oh god we could go on and on um oh, yeah we like could basically being enlightened bring it on i think that would be my ultimate superpower no that sounds awesome that sounds brilliant well look thank you so much for talking about your thesis and everything that you've learned on masculinity um the suicide mm. um i don't <laughs> i'm gonna say again ID 
No. Yeah, that's it. Ideation. Yeah. Ideation. It is. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no. Thank you. Thank you. Um, oh, I could talk for you for hours. It's just. I know. Me it's too. just awesome. Me too. It's just awesome. Look, I'm sure we'll have you back regarding women and all of that. Uh-huh. Let's not like leave us women out of it. But um, yeah, no. Thank you so much for coming along today and talking to me. Thanks, Claire. And, yeah, I hope everything goes okay in three months' time. Thank you, me too. We'll be in touch. And, yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a dream. Okay. Thank you. All right, speak to you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you'd like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family on all the usual social media platforms that you're normally on. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content that I know you're going to want to hear like this. If you want to check out past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast or for links, resources and show notes, go to our website www.strongsingleandhuman.com We are also on all the usual social media platforms Insta, Facey and Twitter Have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon Be kind to yourself and remember no one's perfect and we're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Hi, this is Matt Joe Gow and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Karam, tune in.